Powered by Rev Media in partnership with TSN, it is Season 5, Episode 10 of the Rain Regs Hockey Podcast, presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. We've got, uh, who do we have? Justin Hall of the Detroit Red Wings joining us today on the podcast, which is impressive because we're recording this, Ray, on Friday morning, and the Detroit Red Wings just red hot out of the gate, run into Connor Hellebuck, the Winnipeg Jets, Winnipeg's playing pretty good hockey right now. They need to play that way. So Winnipeg wins on the road. That comes at the expense of Hall and the Red Wings. But, you know, he made an agreement and he's sticking to it. So Justin Hall is going to join us shortly, in fact, on the podcast. Yeah, that's a short turnaround. So home game last night on the pod this morning, well-dressed, you know. Yeah. And you know what? He's a good story. Um, And we'll get to that with, with Justin. But, you know, in a Canadian market, you're under extreme scrutiny. And it just seems in the Toronto market that, that we fixate on defense goaltending. I mean, they make a mistake. It's obvious. And you pay attention to that. You highlight it. You chew on it as part of your panels. And that happened to Justin Hall repeatedly over the years in Toronto. But he, he seems like he's in a real good place now in Detroit. Yeah, I would, I would just say there's there's certain guys that can never play to the level that the scrutiny wants them to be at. And there was a, there was a position I think that Justin probably could have been his most effective in, but the Leafs needed more from him yeah. given the way their defense was built. And it, it becomes unfair to the player in a sense, but the player tries to be something he's not the harder he tries, the worse it gets. And then in Toronto, of course, like, you know, if you change the length of your stick, it's a story for two days. And, um, you know, and, and he got caught in the whirlwind of that. He probably gets to go to Detroit and maybe take a half a breath and relax a little bit. And um, they're off to a really good start, as is he. Time for the headlines. The Tim Hortons headlines. Tim's NHL trading cards are back with an all-new set. So get ready to unpack the thrill and score your favorite hockey stars. Grab them before they're gone. The period has been extended for that. They're available now only at Tim's. We'll talk about the... Anger developing in Alberta in just a minute. I mean, both the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers, frankly, are floundering. And I know you've got a lot of thoughts on on why that is, some changes that could be incorporated. It is hot in Calgary and Edmonton. You know, both teams dropping expletives post-game last night. So we'll get to that in just a moment, Ray, on the Tim Hortons headlines. But first, the big news of the week and, and certainly consumed much of my day yesterday, Shane Pinto given a 41-game suspension for improper gambling activity. Um, you know, what's frustrating about all of that, I mean, aside from Shane Pinto being frustrated for getting suspended for 41 games, we don't really specifically know why. And yeah, there's confidentially uh, confidentiality things that need to be observed here. But the NHL in its statement says he did not bet on NHL games. Okay, well, you can bet on NFL games. You can bet on college football as an NHL player. He did something that violated the collective bargaining gambling restrictions. We know this. Otherwise, he, he you know, he doesn't agree to a 41-game suspension. Right. And I'm going on a bit of a rant here, but that – I. I I hesitated for a moment because we have to indicate that Pinto agreed 
to the 41 game suspension. He did because under category 18, a, he could have, and would have been suspended a lot more for whatever the infraction was associated with the national hockey league. So the players association goes to Shane Pinto after talking with the NHL, bud, 41 games is the best you can do. So we're suggesting you take it. Pinto says, okay, I'll take it. I know I can't appeal, and I'm likely not getting an NHL contract until the suspension expires mm. in, in late January. Could all of this, and maybe what, what we're going to talk about here, be kind of pushed to the wayside if they had said, okay, here's exactly what happened. He didn't bet on NHL games, but here's what happened. Here's why he's being suspended for 41 games. Instead, there's speculation. There's all kinds of theories, scenarios being tossed around, and I have one, but your thoughts initially. Well, you know, I mean, I I hear the phrase proxy better. and Which uh, is illegal, by the way. Right. And, and, you know, you guys on your insider report yesterday – you know, you, Chris Johnston, and and Pierre yeah. LeBrun were talking extensively about it, and I thought CJ had a, a really good point at the end, which was that as Marty Walsh and the Players Association continue their tour around uh, the teams, I think he's got. I think Chris said he's got twenty six teams to go. Right. Um, almost certainly, players don't know the the fine print of the rules. Oof. Like, like almost certainly, guy, you have a betting account, you're allowed to bet, and yeah. you're, you know, you're allowed to do so. You can just go ahead and do it. Well, there's clearly some avenues you can't go down, mm-hmm. and and it's probably in the PA's best interest, and I would almost certainly assume it will be, is there'll be a now a segment in Marty Walsh's talk that deals with this. It'll lay out the the cans and cannots of what this is needs to be the case yeah and and i but as for the nhl i <clears throat> unless there is a a reason that i don't know about which is entirely possible i guess is that um the statement could have been a little more direct yeah. and taken away some of the guesses about what might have happened well, and I would think Shane Pinto would would want to be clear in what happened, you know, uh, and 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 you know, not to belabor this, and and there could be NDAs like non disclosure agreements, right, where they're just not going to do that, and what they gave us is what they gave us. But to your point on Marty Walsh and the PA, so we know that a, a gambling partner flagged his account, Shane Pinto's account. What we don't know is why or how, but. Someone associated with uh, another partner said the security mechanisms that govern this type of thing, probably something you're right, Ray, that the players wouldn't know. For example, if I give you access to my account, right? Um, yeah, you, you can enter the account, but that account reads IP addresses. And the original account, the owner of the account being Darren Dreger, has his device and his IP address attached to the account. So yeah, Ray Ferraro can go in with my passcode, with my verification information. However, the security mechanism flags it because there's a different IP address that's engaged here. That's not right. 
And then they look at the account and they say, hmm, that's an NHL player. Hmm. Look at there's betting outside of baseball, football, and look, we see hockey. That could have been how it all went down. But maybe the players don't know that. I don't think for a second Shane Pinto was trying to bet on the National Hockey League. I don't. I don't believe that for a second. But I think he probably didn't understand all of the nuance and the security that would govern this. So I think CJ made a good point, and I think you've enforced it well. So hopefully. Did you know this? Here's something that's also interesting for me anyway. We know that if you're an NFL player, Ray, you cannot place a bet while in an, uh, an NFL facility. Right. So if you're in the building, you're in the league hotel, can't do it. You can only place your bets when you're at home. Those restrictions don't apply in the NHL. So I'm wondering now, because they have Exhibit A, Shane Pinto, maybe they start going, okay, hold on a sec. You know, we gave the players a benefit of the doubt. That was a bad idea. He's getting 41 games because he, he he's being made an example of here, right? But maybe this will encourage the National Hockey League and the PA to do more in this space. Well, it, I, without question, it's all new. It's all um, easier than it used to be. I mean, I lived in L.A. Uh, we used to go to Vegas, and you, oh, you, know, I mean, you could bet on anything you want. Just walk into the sports book, and you know, college football and NFL football were were big favorites. But you could, you know, you that that's where you could go. And now, of course, everybody can do it out of their phone and. Um, I, I think it's incumbent on the PA and, and, and I'm not even, I don't even have a question that it'll be done, but to, to lay out the cans and can nots for, for the players involved um, yeah. in the national hockey league and say, look, you want to bet, bet fine. It's legal, but yeah. this is, these are the rules. Okay. Just one more thing. And we'll move mm-hmm. on to the outrage in Alberta. There were a couple of teams and, and I don't, there may be more than a couple of teams. I just talked to a couple of teams who were pissed off that Ottawa kind of gets out of jail on this one, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Shane Pinto doesn't get paid. He doesn't have a contract. So he's got financial penalty one way or another here. That's not what the teams are talking about. You know, teams are talking about the fact that the Ottawa Senators had a serious cap issue, which is why Shane Pinto wasn't playing in the NHL. Maybe the circumstance would be the same because the NHL acknowledged the investigation kicked in in early summer. But they're like, why wouldn't the NHL say you've got to sign a contract or if you don't, that 41 games doesn't start until you sign a contract. Instead, it goes retro to game one of the regular season, right? So Pinto has now served seven games because that's a number of games. And, and these teams are going, wait a second. Okay, the, the retro is fine, but Ottawa has months now. Well, what is it, three months? to figure out a cap situation. I can I can appreciate that that level of frustration from a couple of teams. I can. Oh, for sure because there would there was going to be a resolution to that contract somewhere. Yeah. And that was going to force Ottawa in in all likelihood to move a player they probably don't want to move. Yeah. And and now they've got time to figure it out. I I had I was surprised that it was retroactive, quite frankly. Mm. Um, I mean, again, not understanding the, the nuts and bolts of it, but I, I thought it 
I thought it would, when I read 41 games, I'm like, oh, well, I guess that's close to 50 by the time this is, yeah, you know, it's all said and done, but not the case. No, they would have, they would have agreed and negotiated that with the PA, right? Which is yep. why you can't appeal and, and all of that. All right. Well, there'll be more on this file undoubtedly moving forward. Alberta teams, Ray, again, Oilers and the Flames, F-bombs, expletives flying everywhere post-game last night. Both clubs lose. Uh, let's start with Edmonton. You know, much of the focus there, according to our correspondent, Ryan Rashog, is obviously on uh, their lack of defensive zone coverage. And we know that the systems being employed as initiated by Jay Woodcroft are to mimic the Vegas Golden Knights, the defending Stanley Cup champions, and to a degree, the Boston Bruins. The problem is those two teams have figured it out. Clearly, Vegas figured it out. They beat the Oilers, went on to win the Stanley Cup. Is it time in Edmonton to abandon ship and just go back to a structure that the players are familiar with and can play? Well, it, it's funny you mentioned Vegas and Boston. And, Dregs, this is why uh, over the course of time I've, I've come to this realization to people saying, oh, it's a copycat league. I think if you're playing a copycat in a copycat league, you're playing a losing game. Mm -hmm. If you were trying to copycat somebody else, you will lose. And the reason you will lose is the two teams that you mentioned have veteran, big, mobile defense teams. Mm -hmm. Now, I know Boston's got Matt Greslick on the blue line, who's not a big guy. He's a phenomenal skater. However, those two teams, um, their personnel is consistent. Um, mm -hmm. in, in their deployment, like they've been there a while and been together for a while. The mm -hmm. systems are very similar. Oh, wait a minute. The Boston system was Bruce Cassidy's system. He yeah. went to Vegas and brought the same system with him because, um, he was very confident in it, but also with a defense in Vegas that is um, among the league's best, their top six is, I mean, wh where's the weak spot? You don't have yeah. it. Edmonton is working around cap issues uh, on their blue line, working around deployment issues. They want to try this new system. And I'm all for trying it because go back to last spring and they were a save here or a save there from beating Vegas. Yeah. So in my opinion, that system's deployment is to protect their goaltending and to play a system that was effective for Vegas and Boston. Hmm. When you start trying to protect weak spots, players have to do things they're not comfortable in doing. You hear all the time, do your own job, do your own job. And really part of the system is you're just one of five guys on the ice. You do your job. He does his job. Those jobs mesh and you have a, co a cohesive system. They don't look cohesive. The puck's in their net all the time whether it's the goaltending or the system, um, you know, you can debate, I guess. But the one thing you can't be is stubborn. Mm. Stubbornness loses every time. Because if it's not working, we hear all the time, you got to make an adjustment. You've got to make a tweak. We hear it all the time. Coaches do it all the time. So you're now seven games in. It's not a, you know, it's not a... Uh, a death knell by any choice, Drakes, but maybe it's time to adjust a little bit. Maybe it is time to 
to morph the two systems a bit or to go back mm -hmm. a little bit towards towards what you had because yeah. clearly when you're hauling the puck out of your net as much as you are um you you've got some issues well and big issues in calgary too right um i mean the players are beyond frustrated you know Going into the year, it, it, it seemed like that dark cloud that had been hovering over this organization had been pushed aside, you know, fresh eyes from management, fresh eyes <clears> from <throat> the coaching staff. You know, everybody felt fresh and, and rejuvenated, and they they just have not been able to pull it together. And I'm watching a postgame last night, and I'm looking, you know, Zadorov is, is, is fine with the fans booing because they played like, you know what, um, you know, other players talking about how they they lost their will in the first period of that game. Mm. I mean, we're not in game 75 of the regular season here where you, you're just bashing your brains against the wall. I mean, not 10 games into the year. Um, where does the fix in your mind start in Calgary? Well, almost part, you know, like in, in Edmonton, we're talking about the system, but yeah. I'm going to tie the two Alberta teams together um, in this regard. So you get out in public after the game, you're frustrated, you've had it, and you just basically put the toilet seat on your own head, right? <laughs> and, which, is, yeah. which is what they've done. And there is no win in any of that. And in both places, the leaders, whether it's the general managers, Ken Holland or Craig Conroy, or the coaches, Jay Woodcroft or Ryan Huska, who's getting an early test in his first NHL job. Mm -hmm. The discussion points in, in my mind, and I played on a lot of lousy teams, so I think I got a, a decent perspective of this, is that no more talking about ourselves in public. There's already enough noise around our team. Let's not make it worse. Let's mm -hmm. figure out a way that the 23 guys or 22 guys in this room can start pulling the rope the same way because yeah. there is no help coming. Yeah. There, there's no great trade that can happen in Calgary. Each guy has to take a look at themselves and go, am I really like playing free? Am I really playing to my capabilities? Because the answer is no. If you, I don't know if you got a chance to watch much of that game. I, I was flicking back and forth. And I was like, oh, my God, they're never going to score. Yeah, Like, they, they look like they are squeezing it. Um, I think there was great hope that Jonathan Huberto would have a great start and get out of the blocks quickly. And same with Nazem Kadri. And those two guys are really struggling. If they're going to struggle, those guys, they got problems. Mm -hmm. You know, but I, I do think the, the self-beat beat up in the post game is probably something they need to address because that is not – helping them that that is not helping them at all okay uh let's wrap up headlines with a positive and that comes from toronto believe it or not joe wool it's wool now right it's not wall yeah. it's joe wool oh you wait until um, monday when i've got or tuesday when i get the leaf game i'll have a third yeah. version of that yeah. I don't know what it'll be, but wool yeah. is not rolling off the tongue easy but. no it's a tough one and it kills all of the nicknames right Brick wool, 
It doesn't sound right. You know, the great wool of Toronto. Like, no, you can't say that anymore. So anyway, creating a buzz. He was excellent in Dallas last night. Toronto was their first period was probably the best period they played this year because they've gotten away with points, but they haven't played very well. And they play a top team like Dallas and they respond. And Joe Wool stops 94 of 96 shots in the three games that he's now played in. But here's what bugs me. I mean, celebrate this guy's coming out party in the National Hockey. You said this as, was going to be positive. No, no, no. It will be. Well, he's oh. positive. His play is oh, okay. positive. So I, I do want your thoughts on 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 him as a goalie. Um, but, I mean, he, he clearly looks like the goalie of the future. And the future could be 10 games from now where he absolutely has to have the net because Ilya Samsonov can't do it. Or he's he's just not playing well enough. Samsonov, according to Keith, will will get the crease on Saturday against the Nashville Predators. Why does there always have to be this theory of goalie controversy? <laughs> like, like, you know, Samsonov isn't playing good enough. Okay, Joe Wall goes in and plays really, really well. But you, as a coach, you're not giving up on Samsonov. At this stage of the season, history has shown us you need a tandem. You need two good goaltenders to go deep into the playoffs, which Toronto is desperate to do. I I don't see internally there is there is nothing. Yeah, the the players is you know you hear all the time. I'll back up a bit. You hear all the time. Oh, the the team plays better for this guy as opposed to that guy. When I was playing, and I can speak for. Most 99% of the guys didn't really care who was in that. Can't do anything about it anyway. The coach is going to pick who the guy in that is. You just hope he stops the puck. And just like he can't do anything about the power play. I used to hate when the goalie, our goalie would talk about our power play because my first thought was, why don't you zip it and stop the puck and we'll worry about shooting it in the other guy's net. Yeah. Because he doesn't want me to go down there and go, Hey, you know, I noticed you're dropping your glove on the shot. Like what the hell do I know about it? <laughs> so whether it's Joe wool or Ilya Sampson off in goal is irrelevant to the big picture. Samsonoff has to play better. Mm-hmm. And do you think he's going to back away and give the net to wool? Not Better a chance. Not. So what Sheldon Keefe would love to see is Samsonov going goal on Saturday and stop 34 or 35. Mm-hmm. Be fantastic. And then yeah. come back with Wool on Tuesday against LA and he continues his fine play. Because the answer in March is going to be different probably than the answer today. Mm-hmm. Now, it still might be Joe Wool, mm-hmm. but th- that's for March. You got a lot of road you got to walk on before before you get there. There. Goalie controversies are always fun. They're nice to talk about. I had a couple guys tell me last year, um, you know, when Matt Murray was coming back and Samsonoff was there, that um, the Joel Wool was the best of the three of them. Hmm. I, I heard that a couple of times last last spring. And outside of a, a goofy number, I don't like number 60. Um, I think it, it is needs to weird, change. Yeah. 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 Um, damn, he looks good in there, though. He really does. And if I could give one more shout out, one of my favorite players to watch because I just find him so entertaining and also because he doesn't give a damn about what anybody says about him is William Nylander. Yeah. The, the play he made to Morgan Riley last night was just so phenomenal. Nylander is so good. And he is in 
he is entering the prime real estate of his career. He really is. All right, let's wrap up Tim Horton's headlines. And oh, by the way, shout out to our pals at ESPN. And you're one of our pals from ESPN. I thought Frozen Frenzy was terrific on Tuesday. I did. You know, just the snap, 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 one to the other. And yeah, it just makes you want more. Not too much more. Not too much more. You know, we'll see it. I think there are a couple of Saturdays that, that are planned. Saturdays are different. This on a Tuesday was special, right? It just kind of rolls from one to the other. So I know that the league has bigger plans in that regard for the future. So well, uh, nicely done, right? A couple, couple things I want to say about that. First of all, the ESPN had gone to the league and said, hey, look, is there a way we can try to figure this out? Get everybody yeah. going at the same time. The logistics of getting that together, first <laughs> of all, you got to find the schedule, right? Yeah. And you've got to find 16 rinks that can play at the same day, at, you know, kind of all at the same time with these staggered starts. It's not easy. Not easy. Um, the whip around portion of it through the studio with uh, John Butchergrass and Kevin Weeks was awesome. Yeah. And if you want to watch hockey, watch it. Now, the, of course, there's, oh, why isn't it on a Friday? Why isn't it on a Saturday? Well, it was on Tuesday. Yeah. That's, that's when it all worked. I'd love to see a couple, three nights like this season they just become kind of target nights you can mm-hmm. you know you can do yeah. some special things around it uh i i thought it was awesome i we were in chicago and um you know for the bruins and blackhawks and um you know it was just it was just the games were rolling in front of it rolling behind it it was it was really cool it was and uh here's the bigger and better things on that front in the future. We know that the league and the Players Association are working on that. Thanks, Tim Hortons. Those are the headlines. Tim's NHL trading cards are back. Unpack the thrill. Score your favorite icons with an all-new set. Get yours before they're gone. Only at Tim's. Our interviews on Ray and Dregs brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey. Introducing the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask. It's the signature CC Classic 12-year-old. Finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Cask. Love it. All the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. All right, Justin Hall, defenseman for the Detroit Red Wings, now joins us on the Ray and Dregs podcast. And uh, we won't spend too much time talking about last night. I mean, you run into Connor Hellebuck, who was lights out. As per usual, the Winnipeg Jets rolling right now. But you're 5-2 and two to start, Justin. Um, and so when you look back to training camp and, and the preseason, did you guys in that room within the organization have a better feel, a different feel for what the Detroit Red Wings were going to look like this season? Because I think most people thought that maybe the Red Wings needed another year to come together. Yeah, I think we all saw that we had talent. And, you know, you look at the moves that we made in the offseason and you pick up Debrinket, Comfort. Um, uh, I know there's other guys in there that I'm blanking on right now, but there's good players and um I think we all knew that we had the talent, but at the same time, the NHL is such a, a competitive league um, that it's not really enough. You got to make sure you put it all together. And thus far, we've done a pretty good job. Um, there's obviously things that we need to clean up in our game, but um, you know, I think that we're pretty confident as a group. Well, when you, you're talking about guys you added, of course, yourself, you sign a three-year deal in free agency. How quickly did you know uh, at the end of the year that, 
you know, maybe Detroit would be a spot where there's some other teams you and your agent had identified or how, how did that come about for you? Um, I didn't really know at the time. Um, but something I think, um, that I was maybe naive about with free agency is that I thought, you know, okay, you get all your options, you're able to look at them, you know, you weigh pros and cons and stuff like that. And it's funny looking back on it now because I didn't realize how much the timing was important where, you know, if a team offers and you're not, you know, all on board within 24 hours, they got to move to their number two guy or their number three guy, or maybe you are the number two guy and they got to move to the next guy or whatever it is, you know? So um, on July 1st, it came together that Detroit was one of the front runners and at that point, it's a decision point. And, um, uh, you know, I just felt like it was time to pull the trigger. And, uh, you know, I'm really grateful that that was the choice that we made. And I, I'm really happy to be a part of this group. Isn't it weird, though? Like you're, you're making that decision. And really, what do you know about Detroit or Pittsburgh or some other city other than the rink, the hotel and the bus ride from the airport? Yeah, exactly. You don't know anything about it. So. Um, you know, again, at the time I'm just like, okay, Detroit is what it is. I called my wife. I'm like, I think we're doing Detroit. If you're, you know, all on, on board, she's like, yeah, it's up to you. And, um, so that was that, but then we talked to everybody, uh, we were at several weddings this summer and a lot of people had been through Detroit and stuff like that. And everyone's like, you're going to love it. Like you're going to absolutely love it. And we have so far. When you, um, when you start talking or your agent starts talking and then the deal comes together and then. Uh, at some point you talk to who's going to be your new coach and Derek Lalonde and, you know, Steve Iserman and, uh, how quickly did, did it feel like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm really ready to move on. Cause there's always some lingering stuff, right? You've got your old coaches and your old teammates and all that. And it's like, it's that, it's that quick. You're, those are ex teammates and these are new guys. For sure. For sure. And that's kind of the business that we're in. And, you know, you get used to it as a player because you're always bouncing around. Obviously, it's a little bit different for me because I was in Toronto for the previous eight years. So it was definitely mm -hmm. a longer time that we forge uh, strong relationships. But mm -hmm. again, that's just business. And, um, you know, that whatever team you're on, you're going to love the guys. You might have hated them on the ice, but, uh, you know, you're going to love them uh, when you're mm -hmm. teammates with them. Justin, was it time to move on? You mentioned the eight years that you spent with the Maple Leafs. I mean, five seasons plus two games with the Leafs and then three with the Toronto Marlies. Would you have happily stayed in Toronto? And it just came down to what it often comes down to with cap teams. They have to make decisions and you had to look at the open market and take your best option. Yeah, you know, I love my time in Toronto. I have really uh, nothing but great memories. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful for the relationships that I was able to forge and the team success that we had. So um, I was really, uh, you know, I have no uh, qualms about moving on, but I was really, uh, really grateful for my time in Toronto. That being said, this is just what was uh, next in my path to development, I think. And um, you know how the contract situation works out and everything like that. Yeah. And um, I'm grateful to be uh, in a place that um, uh, I'm valued and uh, I'm just ready to, to keep moving. You said something there, Justin, kind of struck me as maybe like a, a player's perspective and then all the noise that goes around the Maple Leafs all the time, every day, every night. And is, it, is most players you talk to talk about how much they love it in Toronto, yet the media talks about, you know, all this pressure and all this, um, you know, having won since 1967 and yada, yada, yada. How much of that is just us guys talking about it and how much of it 
bugs you guys? Because I played yeah, in Hartford. I, I mean, I could do whatever I wanted. You know, like nobody, <laughs> yeah. nobody knew who the hell we were, so it was fine. Yeah, but I think you you could probably understand that as players. I don't know if we have time to worry about all that. Um, you know, we have such a narrow focus. I'm just trying to make sure my knee feels good for Monday's game or something like that. You know, like I'm not worried about what the outside noise is. I'm just trying to uh, play one game at a time and play, be the best player I can be on any given night. So um, it is kind of funny, though, like having left Toronto, I think I have a greater appreciation for um, just how much uh, coverage there is. You know, like I feel like I've seen more coverage on Toronto since I've left than I ever did when I was there. So it's kind of funny. But uh, yeah, I think it, it definitely is different. But I think the expectation for myself as a player doesn't really change. I still want to be as good as I can be every night. Well, you you kind of set a high bar. Like when you came to Toronto, you you scored in your first two games. Um, I did the second one. I think that was at the Garden, right? At Madison Square yeah, Garden. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. lobbed one in and poof, went straight in and you're like two for two, like plus five yeah. in two games. What an easy league. Like what were those first couple of games like for you? They're it's pretty awesome start. Yeah, no, it was great. I honestly, for a period of time, I thought there was a chance that I would never not score in an NHL game. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> But uh, obviously, it turned out to be a little harder than that. And I think I don't know how many goals I have since then, like nine in four seasons or something. Yeah, Patience. So it, I like it. It, did, it didn't end up uh, being true, but um, it was funny. It was just kind of one of those. I was at the American League All-Star game a couple of days before that, and then I got called up. And even at the All-Star game, like I won every skills competition. Like our team won the All-Star game. It was just one of those weeks where everything's just falling your way. Now, when you when you were playing the, the year and a half before that, you're in the East Coast League. And, mm. you know, I think you played like 65, 66 games, something like that there. At, at that point, are you even thinking about the NHL or are you just trying to just trying to put one foot in front of the other and get to the next spot? Yeah, I think it's more of the latter. And, um, you know, at that point, you're like, is this really going to go anywhere? You're wondering um, – you know, maybe this might be my last year playing hockey. I kind of might want to get going on something else to establish a different career or something that might be um, something that could provide for your family better or whatever it is. Um, but that being said, the East Coast League was super fun. Uh, great guys there. Maybe not exactly where you want to be hockey-wise, but um, you kind of just maintain the focus of the same thing. Just want to be the best player you can be every night and see where it shakes out. And I think it turns out that uh, Kyle Dubas had seen me play the Solar Bears or something, uh, you know, a random game in January. And that was part of the reason why he wanted to sign me to the Marlies. So I guess um, just goes to show you never know who's watching. Yeah. And, and so all of that, I mean, how much does each of those experiences, the path that you've taken to get to this place in the National Hockey League, contributed to the start that you've had in Detroit. I mean, did you do anything different in the off season? Because Ray and I talked about this earlier. It just, it seems like there's a calmness now in your game. Not that you were all helter skelter all over the place, but you just seem more comfortable with the game that you're able to play and it's translating on the ice. Yeah. I don't know um, if there's anything I can certainly attribute to that. I think, um, the message from Detroit has been just, you know, play simple. You're the best when you're simple. And I think the system that we run and the players that we have, and um, 
I don't really know if it's that different from Toronto, but I do think that our guys have been doing a really good job of insulating us as defensemen mm-hmm. and, um, you know, making it as easy as possible for us to make the easy play, even if it means putting the forwards in a tough spot, uh, relying on them to do their job, whether it's along the wall or in the ozone tracking or whatever it is. Uh, I, I got this kind of, I don't know if this is even answerable really quite frankly but I'm going to ask anyway so when you when you leave Toronto and you've played 25 playoff games and there's man you guys got good teams there and you just can't quite get past that playoff hurdle now you're you're in another place is there anything you take away from that is there anything you can I don't know learn from it or look back and go man we were this close to something better like is there anything there yeah, I think the experience of just playing in big games uh, is something that's important. And even before um, playing in the NHL, I've played in big games like the high school state championship, which, you know, obviously these aren't as big as Stanley Cup playoffs, but they're still games yeah. that mean something to you. Most um, people, Justin, don't understand how big that high school tournament is in, in Minnesota, do they? They Like, they have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like, you know, when you're growing up as a kid, you don't think, or at least for me, I wasn't totally like, oh, I'm going to play in the NHL. I'm like, I want to play in that state tournament, you know? Unreal. So I played in that, played in the uh, NCAA National Championship, um, lost both of them, which was super fun. Um, (laughs) But uh, we found our way. And um, I just think of the experience of playing in big games and knowing – how to handle that pressure and how to handle, uh, you know, the jitters, the nerves. You just care so much about it that you want to be able to figure out the best way you can perform. Where is Tonka Bay, by the way? And are you actually from yeah. there? Because, look, it, we surf on, on Hockey DB and you see the hometowns of it. Sometimes it just means you were born there and you didn't spend a whole yeah. lot of time. But did you grow up in Tonka Bay? Yeah, I did. So that was actually, um, I think, on, on my uh profile at, I don't, maybe it was at the combine or something like that it was like birthplace and uh-huh. i don't know if i had put down a dyna or someone else had but it was just like the biggest nightmare of all time because that was our <laughs> biggest rival minnetonka. <laughs> so, um minnetonka high school is where i went and tonka bay would be a town that's incorporated into the minnetonka school system so i am from tonka bay now you're Minnesotan. Does that mean you're a fisherman too, like everybody else in the state? No, uh, I actually live on the lake on Lake no. Minnetonka. I'm not a fisherman. Nobody can really. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I think I guess my dad's not a fisherman, so I'm probably not uh, just by default. But I am a big water guy. Water skier, wakeboarder. What sort of sport? Surfer. Yeah. Yeah. Wake- we wakeboard a lot growing up. Now I like wake surfing a little bit better because you don't beat yourself up quite as much. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, some of that. And, uh, you know, just cruise. I like to swim a lot. My dad, brother, and I like to swim the bay in the summer. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's good to be around. And then, obviously, I haven't been there for winters recently, but it's great for skating and, and things of that nature. So what, maybe the, in 10 years, is that home? Are you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We we bought a house right next to my parents. Is my actually my grandparents' oh, house. Awesome. That's, uh, that'll be our. We got the whole family compound going forever. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I think I cut you off. Did you say that it was your grandparents' house? 
Yeah, yeah. So my dad grew up right next door, bought the house next door, and now we're continuing the legacy. Wow. So should work uh, out that's okay. cool, man. That's that's really, yeah. really awesome. Yeah, we're excited about it. All right. Earlier we'll let you go, but earlier you mentioned that it was a busy summer for you, right? You had a bunch of weddings. I don't know if you want to disclose this or not, but people seem to enjoy it. Do you have a favorite wedding? I'm assuming that there were some NHL weddings that you would have attended. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be poor form if I were to pick uh, publicly, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I was at Alex Kirk, Mitch Marner's and Tyson Berry's um, and they were all equally great. How do you get, how do you give presents to each one of those guys? <laughs> like, well, yeah. How are you going through that process? Well, it's a gift certificate you know. in Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> yeah. It's something like that. And you know what? I, I gotta be completely honest with you. My wife takes care of it. So I have no idea what we got them. Absolutely no idea. <laughs> Excellent shopping by you. Excellent. Yeah, I like terrific. it. That's good. Delegate. Yeah. All right, Justin, thanks for doing this, man. Um, Day after a game, morning after a game. In fact, it's never easy, but uh, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, guys. Sorry about the delay. No, no, no problem. You had to get dressed up. You were by far the best dressed guest we've had. So thanks very much. That's what I was looking for. Well, as we talked to Justin Hall, Ray, um, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect fit, but it's nice to see a player who at times, fairly or unfairly, was maligned in Toronto. Just right. as he talked about, it was noise. He didn't listen to it. They, as players, didn't listen to it. But he's proving that he's a real good right-shot NHL defenseman and part of what appears to be a really good Red Wings team right now. I, I know like the players will always say, you know, we don't hear it, we don't talk about it, but – when you're in the rink, you can feel the uneasiness. And, it, and I assume it must be tough when it centers around you. Because somebody else could make a mistake. If Justin made one, they were, it, it was all over. In, yeah. You know, like yeah. that, that became the talking point for him. So, look, it, 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 the road ran out in Toronto and he gets a chance to go to Detroit. He signs a three-year deal that when he was in the East coast league, I'm pretty sure he wasn't thinking that he was going to sign a $10 million deal no. somewhere down the line. And so you get to go to a new place. It's a new team, a new city, uh, um, a new way of doing things. And it's probably a breath of fresh air to him. And they're, they're off to a really good start. He plays with Ben Sherratt most of the time. So, you know, they, they play a style in Detroit that they just want them to defend like those mm -hmm. two guys. And it's yeah. probably really comfortable for them. And, um, you know, like every other guy, it seems like from Minnesota, seems like a really great guy, really nice, low key, easy going yeah. guy and good for him. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll be watching the wings because they kind of jolted us to a, to alert, didn't they? In a hurry. Yeah. I'm going to troll them a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to, start Googling Tonka Bay and Lake Minnetonka and look yeah. at what real estate looks like in that area. It sounds pretty nice. Sounds well, I thought you were going to really get into it. Well, you know, what kind of boat you got? Cause you're, you know, you're into all that stuff. Me, I would. I kind of am. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't take the bait on the wedding question. Though, oh no, he? no. But I'm guessing, you know, nobody's serving tuna fish at those weddings. So no. at those three. So 
I think they probably well, whose wedding have. was it where Johnny Goodrow was on somebody's shoulders just having the time of oh, his life? Oh, he was life. on Kevin Hayes' shoulders. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of I, – I almost I, – we were – I was going down a rabbit hole with that line of questioning with Justin, so I just figured, nah, you know what, I better just – Cotton yeah, I forget whose here. wedding that was, but that was that was a pretty good, was, pretty good video. Yeah, good for them. All right, buddy, you can see your home because you've uh, got that Ryan Rashog professionally decorated backdrop there. So, uh, oh. what do you got planned for the weekend? Well, yeah, I am at home. I am yeah. uh, actually today. I'm playing golf at twelve ten. Really nice spurt of weather here in Vancouver. Good I'm going you. to the Canucks game tonight. Uh, St. Louis Blues. Uh, congratulations to Doug Armstrong, by the way, a thousand yeah. names as the, yeah. the general manager in St. Louis, which is a it's hell of a run. Yeah. Um, uh, so watch the Blues tonight. Going to go to watch the Rangers tomorrow night. Uh, Rangers are in town to play the uh, play the Canucks. Back-to-back home games. It's kind of weird. Um, watch a little World Series. Watch a little soccer. Hmm. And then uh, on the road Monday, coming to Toronto. When are you taking me out for dinner? Oh yeah, we got to plan that out. Yeah, it's Monday. I mean, don't, date, though, we got to be careful. Well, don't worry because I might Gord, be busy on Monday. Yeah, don't worry. <clears throat> Gord's buying dinner, so I'm sure you'll come. Is he? Well, he doesn't know that yet, but oh, Miller's okay. buying dinner. He's bringing. He's. We got to haul that hubcap that he's got tied to his wallet, and we got to haul it into the restaurant. So. <laughs> Ask him about the suit he was wearing last night as part of oh, our regional Leafs. Did he? Did yeah. he have a bad one? No, I mean, he would argue that it was spectacular. And I'm not going after his tailor because, you know, fantastic people, I'm sure. It had a bit of a horse blanket look to it. I'm not Oh, nice. There's no way I'll bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's why when I go to the tailor, I just say, just give me whatever you want. I don't care, right? Yeah. Yeah, but Gord, I've been to the same place Gord has been many, many times. He meticulously picks out his fabrics. See, I like to get really creative. I mix squares. I mix a little bit of blue with blue and then maybe some other blue. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. You okay. can't go wrong with blue on blue on blue. No, that's, that's it. That's, that's all safe. I got. Yeah, it's safe. Uh, all right. Well, I'm looking forward what to about an you? easy what weekend, man. Nah, you not said, much. Not much. You nah, said the weather's good there, right? Weather's good. Uh, I, I, I didn't book any golf. Um, I got a bit of yard work. I don't know. I mean, I might just pop over to the golf course. Okay, quick question, because it's starting to be, you know, fall, even though it's late. Yeah. Um, do you rake your leaves, like, all at once, or do you keep doing it a little bit at a time? A little bit at a time, yeah. And I've got, uh, it's not fancy, I've, I've got, like, a, a vacuum, right, that yeah. sucks them all up, mulches them, and then I oh, nice. compost them. Yeah, it's a pretty slick operation. I'm not one of those guys that has the the high-powered blower, and you just blow the leaves over onto the neighbor's yard or down the street. Like, it pisses me off when people do. Like, they're not going anywhere. You're just moving your problem to somebody else. No, no. I look after it. So I'll have to do some of that. See, I got I got some, you know, I got a couple of teenagers. They're really helpful, you know. Oh, sure they are. Yeah. No idea. That thing could pile up outside the house, the height of the kitchen door. They wouldn't even notice it. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll enjoy the golf and have a great weekend. Yeah, have a great weekend. Everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks to Justin Hall for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Yes, and thank you to our sponsors who continue to support Ray and Dregs. Our title sponsor, Canadian Club of Whiskey, and Tim Hortons. As always, thank you for listening, for rating, for sharing, and for following us on Ray and Dregs YouTube. Until next time, stay safe, everybody. Music.